There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. Dan here from the Square Ball, Michael Normanson from the Square Ball, Phil Hay from The Athletic for the end of the week show. We'll get an update in just a minute. A reminder that the show is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. Um, just when we unleashed the Will's Probate conveyancing on you last week, Phil, the messaging has changed. Do they still do them? They do, though. They, they are very keen to stress that they still do the big three. Still, they, my, still my favourites. But do, they, the, do they do managers? As they, cause the cool kids call We'll get to that in a minute, as the cool kids call it. Uh, yeah, Will's Probate conveyancing. Asking us just to let you know about uh, the fact they do personal injury and they do medical negligence, uh, pretty self-explanatory, really. You know, you trust your doctors, your dentists, and your other medical professionals to do stuff right, don't you? Because, I mean, you you were saying over on the weekly show, if you've not seen the weekly show, by the way, have a look at that. Michael explains how he had a fall this week. I was mocked, I was mocked for having a fall, I think it's <laughs> fair to say. Was but, it a proper fall? Uh, it was. A, I've got a scab on my knee. Mm. Yeah. Um, what's, what's that in personal injury circles? <laughs> Well, it was very much my own fault, so <laughs> nothing. Sometimes that doesn't matter. Yeah. We were saying if, if you fell over and you grazed your knee, is that right? Yeah. Bless you. Have you put? Have you cleaned it up and stuff? I like did. I got, I got a first aid kit in the car and I gave it a little antiseptic wipe. <laughs> Once I'd run back and had a little cry at the shame. <laughs> so, such a grown-up. But imagine if you went to the doctor with that and they hacked your arm off. You'd be disappointed, wouldn't you? I would, actually, yeah. yeah. That, that would have that made it worse. I think that would constitute medical mm-hmm. negligence. You do expect advice and actions to be accurate and, imp- and generally improve your condition. That's what you're after, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Under most circumstances. And obviously, in most cases, they are. If they're not, get in touch with Levi's. 10% off your legal fees, levislisters.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Any further action on the knee or are you, are you just contemplating your next move? I think it's ended my professional career as a, right. as a footballer. Well, you're off to sports day later. So presumably the dad's race is out. Yeah, no, I was I was already out from that. That's funny. That's the first thing I said when I found out. Ruled out by mm-hmm. a, already ruled out by a back injury. Crying about that's that. a shame, isn't it? Yeah, that back. Enough on this. Let's move on no to professionals. They said when I turned up. <laughs> Let's. We move. can see you in. We can see you in unbelievable <laughs> shape. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear me. Uh, let's talk about Leeds United. And uh, well, it's midday. Bang on midday on Thursday as we say these words, and we still don't have a have a manager taking the time, aren't they, Phil? They are. Um, I, I didn't commit to it on Monday when you said, when we get together on Thursday, will they definitely have a manager? And I said, well, you know, should have kind of moved forward by then. They might um, have one, Phil, but they might just not be telling anybody. No, I don't think they've made a decision yet, although that's not to say that they're not much closer than they were at the start of the week. There were certainly interviews done yesterday, which was Wednesday, um, conversations going on. You're right that um, it's taken some time 
I think, again, just to be totally fair in this, it, they obviously lost two weeks of the summer to trying to negotiate with Radrazani to get the, the takeover deal in place um, and, and ready for EFL approval, which was, was done a fortnight ago now. But it has been, to coin a phrase, process-focused, process-driven. I don't know what the... I was going to say the cool kids, but the, the cool members of HR departments say these days. But it hasn't been a case of... What's that f- process focused. Yeah, process so, driven. When, something I think like when that. you said those words, you just made me sort of zone out. It yeah, sounds, we, it sounds we, slow. Yeah, we used to have um, the occasional sort of briefings at the Yorkshire Evening Post, you know, where people would talk to you about that sort of stuff. And we did used to sit up the back of the room and glaze over and gaze out, out the <laughs> Giggling window. Giggling like naughty but, school um, kids. <laughs> to, to put it in plain English, it's not been a case of connections this one. It's not been a case of, as for example, Angus Kinnear being able to phone up Sam Allardyce and say, we want to change for the last four games of the season. I know you, you know me, will you do it? Yes, I will. It hasn't gone down those lines. It has been preliminary contact, Zoom chats, and now this week, face-to-face interviews down in London um, in which Pragmarati is involved. He's come over um, from America for this. Uh, he will be very soon. Leeds United's new chairman as part of this 49ers Enterprises takeover. Uh, it has not been a kind of click your fingers, make your decision, take whoever you can get, but... Without a doubt, it's taken time and we are almost into the last week of June. Could he maybe have been here a bit sooner and they could have got this process accelerated? Is that a fair criticism? Um, it's certainly a fair question. Yes, he could have been. Uh, yes, they could have done. But this has been the way they've decided to do it. I have to say, they, they don't seem stressed about it. I don't get the sense of any tension or anxiety. They seem quite happy with the way it's going and the speed it's moving at. But as with just about everything in football, the the way in which this is judged and the way in which it looks with hindsight will depend on how the summer goes and the rest of the summer goes, how the season goes. If it's a good season, you'll look back at this and say, they got it right, took the time, made the right decision. If it's not a great season, you might look back at this summer and say the the timing of everything was not great. So do you think that's the thing that any Leeds fan who is feeling a little bit anxious about the time that this is taking, that's the thing to remember is that they have to get this right rather than get it done quickly? Well, they do have to get it right, definitely, which probably means not just lumping on the first thing you can and taking some time to go through formal interviews and presentations, which it tends to be the way things are done these days if you don't have a an out-and-out candidate who you specifically want to jump on. You know, I mean, even with Bielsa, there were presentations done and, you know, long explanations of what he would do with the squad, although the circumstances there were different because Leeds were very much on the flights to Argentina saying to themselves, really, really hope this guy will, will indulge us and, and have a go at this, you know, we'll take the job on. Whereas in a lot of interview processes, you're open-minded and that's how it's been with this one. You've seen the names who've, who've been linked, Fark and, um, I was getting told off actually for Fark's surname. Shall we settle on Fark? Is Fark the right pronunciation? Is it? I, think? I don't know. I kept I saying Farky. I'm, yeah. I'm a Farker man myself. I'm a Farker yeah. man, yeah. Like, right, like that rhymes with Scott Parker. Yeah, I'll phone somebody in Germany later. We'll find out. Um, otherwise, this, this will be this a, a of, contention all the way through. The, the level the, of... In fact, somebody did pull us up on this last week because all three of us, they were saying, said it slightly differently. Right. So this is the sort of level of diligence and prep that goes into these shows. Yes. Daniel Forker. <laughs> <laughs> Go follow well, a, a low, a low on it. Well, that's it's it. Already, it's, yeah. it's Max Verber all over again. Uh, but yeah, so you... you and in, in this process has been presentations, it's been face-to-face interviews now. Um, it's not a case of this is who we want, so we're just going to go and make him an offer and, and try and try and get it done. So yes, it, it could have been done more quickly. It, I don't think it could have been done vastly more quickly because of the time it took to um, to nail down a deal with Radrazani. But at the same time, we're now virtually a week away from the start of the pre-season training, the initial group who will come back, not including the internationals. So yeah, uh, but 
I sort of feel like it's going to be like this all summer. Everything is going to be against the clock because of the circumstances. Do you get a sense that they know who they want, but it's a case of going through a process and seeing who's available and wage demands and all that sort of stuff? Or is it a case that they're still deciding? Because if they're still deciding at this point, I don't know, it feels it feels late. I, I think they know what they want, if that makes sense, as opposed to specifically who they want. And when I say specifically who they want, I don't mean they don't have any idea of what would be a short list or, or who may fit nicely. I just think that in a list of Fark, Farky, Farker, Parker, that does not help, does it? No, rule him out immediately. Patrick Vieira, who's also in contention for this, chat a little bit more about him because it's not the first time he, he's been linked with the job. I genuinely get the feeling that with most, if not all of them, they're looking at them and thinking they could all work for mm. us. But the reason that you sit them down and, and speak to them and go through interviews presentation processes is to decide who actually stands out from the group. Are we down to a, a two then of, of Vieira and Farker? Well, certainly Parker has been interviewed. One of the interesting things is that with Carlos Corbran, who's been spoken about a lot within Ellen Road and, and was one of the people under discussion when they were first t- thinking about how to replace Sam Allardyce, Leeds haven't approached West Brom as of last time of asking to discuss his release clause or to ask permission to interview him which they would certainly need to do. And I know a lot of this stuff can from time to time go on behind closed doors and it wouldn't be the first time that, that a coach has, has spoken to a club without the, his, his current employers knowing, but that would have to happen. And, and the fact that it hasn't suggests that they're kind of looking elsewhere. Although, given that Coburn is so so well-liked at Leeds, I, I would never kind of rule him out completely. But I think between Farker and Vieira, they'll see two very strong candidates there. Vieira... We, we wrote about this back in February after Jesse Marsh um, left. And, and actually, it was after the, the piece was published after Vieira himself was sacked by Palace. When Marsh went from Leeds, when Leeds dismissed him, Vieira was one of the people who kind of showed a, a tentative interest in the job, which was quite intriguing because he was at the time employed by Crystal Palace. And although there was a feeling at Palace that it wasn't quite working and it was almost running its course, that relationship, Vieira and Palace, they hadn't reached the point either where they were prepared to sack him or, or ready to sack him. And, and he equally wasn't kind of halfway out the door himself. But he clearly had it in his head that he might be further down the line. And he looked at the Leeds job and, and was, I think, quite tempted by what was there. And the fact that he's in the mix again suggests to you that it, it is one that he would like to have a cracker or one that he would like to to you know to get involved in if, if Leeds were, were willing to take him on. I still sort of think, pound for pound, looking at, looking at Fark's record, that the two promotions with Norwich as title winners on both occasions have to give him a bit of an edge. Do you think Vieira's even in this discussion if he hasn't got 400 games for Arsenal under his belt? In terms of his record, like because a lot of managers come and go in the Premier League and they'll have a season where things go well, then they get sacked and then they, they disappear into nowhere. It's been a little like that for Vieira in Europe, obviously at Nantes and then um, at Palace as well. He does have the prior experience of coaching in New York and I suppose one of the things that might work in in his favour is that he does have a prior and very good relationship with Jack Harrison who, well, I think we all expect Harrison to go as one of the players who the 49ers and and Leeds would very, very much like to keep if there was any way of of making that happen. I suspect the interest in Harrison, of which there is plenty, will be too intense um, and too overwhelming for that. But I think think you're right. I mean, most managers end up with some form of failure on, on the record. So, you know, Fark's come into this process on the back of being sacked by Borussia Mönchengladbach. But I don't think you can deny that having two championship titles on your record as a manager, as a head coach, is 
a pretty big feather in your cap and, and is a very, very big selling point when it comes to trying to present yourself to a club who've just been relegated and don't want to stick around in the championship for long. Do you think, Phil, that maybe they have half an eye on the next step and they are looking yes. at what might happen in the Premier League and do you think that is a mistake? Oh, good double question and a very good one. Yes, I think they do in as much as this appointment feels like it will be shaped for the season ahead. Like the, there is a big emphasis understandably being, being placed on the need to get promoted and the need to get promoted quickly and ideally within 12 months. So right from the start, the, the people who Angus Kinnear was engaging initially and, and the people we know about that they're speaking to this week, there does feel like you know that is where the attention lies on who would be a good solution for a, a season in which we need to go up. Beyond that, I, I guess it depends on the, the performance of whoever comes in. But I think they may well have in mind options, ideas, you know, head coaches who potentially would be better suited to the, the Premier League, who they might feel that they will have to engage further down the line and in order to make sure that they're suited for the Premier League, not, not just the Championship. But it doesn't feel, unless something comes out of the blue, it doesn't feel like they're going to go for something this time round that looks like a vastly long-term project. I mean, take Maresca at Leicester, for example, which I think I've said before, I, I think it's pretty interesting appointment, that one. I spoke to Robert Snodgrass earlier this week who, who played or was coached by Maresca at West Ham. And, you know, usual caveat from him of saying sometimes these things just don't work, but he thinks that's a really good appointment. He thinks they've, they've landed a, a really good one in Maresca. And I think given Maresca's track record, the fact he's coached with Guardiola, um, that he is so highly regarded, you could certainly see a scenario in which he gets Leicester promoted and is and is their their manager, their head coach for an extended period of time. Whereas with others who are in the mix at Leeds at the moment, Parker being a, a very good example, but the same true of Farke as well at, at Norwich, you know, they found it harder to to make it stick in the Premier League. And I think to an extent, certainly at Norwich, you could say that that was probably down to budget. But at the same time, I think if if 49ers enterprises have it in their minds that Leeds are going to re-establish themselves as a Premier League club and then ideally establish themselves as a top 10 club. Perhaps whatever happens this summer will, with hindsight, look fairly short term as we get further down the line. Because I was wondering, that question came from a place of wondering if they have one eye on Vieira thinking he might be better in the Premier League than Farker, but you've got to get there first, haven't you? And Farker seems like the more obvious choice to get us back there based on having done it twice. I don't feel like this is a summer in which they're going to sit and spend a lot of time saying who's going to be better when we get promoted. I think the the discussion will be and the discussion has been who is going to get us out of out of this league. They wouldn't want to do it in a way where it had absolutely no scope of sustaining itself once they get promoted. I mean, ideally, if they do go up in one year, next summer it would be nice to have a fairly stable period where you could actually stick with the coach that you had and, and build in those circumstances. But I think if there's one lesson Leeds have probably learned from the last three years is that it's very easy to get ahead of yourself and it's very easy to think about tomorrow when you're not really managing properly today. So, yeah, I I think all roads will lead to making sure that this season goes well. Well, if that's the case then, if they're not spending time on worrying too much about the future and want to get this season done and dusted, surely it's Farker. Well, I, I kind of feel like that, that, that Farker ticks a lot of the right boxes, especially when it comes to parodies and square ball impressions but I guess I guess if you're keeping your options relatively open and saying that you don't want to make a decision without giving it due thought 
perhaps you do give other people the chance to have their say, to sit in front of you, to speak to you, to, to map out what they would do. And it's not to say that Vieira wouldn't be a good coach in the championship. It might be that he'd be a success down there. I think he certainly has the the ego and, and the character to manage a club like Leeds. But in terms of basic track record for the championship, it seems to me that, that Farca is kind of out there um, ahead of, of most of the people who've been mentioned. I'm interested to know how much the interview process counts really for a manager because... It's particularly if you if you if you're a new manager and your first job, I guess you've got to you've got to kind of talk your way into it. But for someone who's got a track record, it feels like that is surely the like ninety percent of the interview is there that you can say, well, look, I've done this. And rather than if you go in and say, well, this didn't go well, it's not like a normal job interview where people go in and lie about what they've done. Everyone can see what they've everyone can see exactly what your record. Yeah, I was going to say every candidate's a non quantity. Exactly, they? you can yeah. go in. You, I mean, you can go in. and I suppose make some excuses for like, oh, that fell apart because I wasn't backed here and this, but it, this, but this. But isn't that what you press them on? You know, why did this not quite work out? Why did why did that go wrong? How did you work with your sporting director, for example, director of football? You know, how how did you manage that relationship? I think as well. And Bielsa was very good at this. Was they like clubs tend to like to see that a head coach coming in has really good knowledge of what he's inheriting, so knows a lot about the squad that's already at Leeds. And okay, I kind of odd some of this one because a lot of what's at Leeds will depart. Um, so it's not as if you're you're going in and inheriting a team that is going to be there for you to to use. Even some of the players who train under whoever the head coach is initially will will be gone by the end of the window or by the time the the season starts. You know, I, I remember somebody saying that when Leeds approached Ranieri in the summer when Bielsa was appointed, and I have no idea if Ranieri was ever realistic. Um, it certainly got nowhere and, and he, he didn't show much interest in the job, but he didn't seem to be able to name any of the players in Leeds' squad or, or to have any knowledge of them, whereas Bielsa knew absolutely everything because Bielsa had, had done what he, what he does and had dug through the entire framework of the club, you know, to work out what, what was there. So you do want to see a bit of that. You want to see a bit of that professionalism they want to know things like, what are you going to do in pre-season? You know, how will you approach it? How, what, what do you think about recruitment? You know, what, what do you need to add to this team? What do you want in the squad? And easy want, easy. And recruitment. You, buy some players pre-season. Do some running and, want, some, and do some passing after you've done your you running. See, they could have employed you for what? It's because I've been spending time with, a year. spending yeah. time in Normanton. Yeah, yeah, the, the professional here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's you know that's the sort of stuff that you can drop on the toes and say. What do you think needs done with this squad? What will you look to say? And what will you want? How is, is you the question the about team? is the question about the squad not slightly different though, Phil? Because we're getting rid of most of it. Well, that's why I was saying it, it isn't actually the usual exact science um, for Leeds this summer. Because yes, a lot of them are going. But then again, questions about who would you like to retain? Who specifically do you want to keep? Who do you want to go? Does that marry up with how we're thinking? Can that actually be done? You know, is is it realistic? The fact that these guys are here for an interview anyway kind of tells you that they want the job and, and would almost certainly take it. So in a lot of ways, it feels as if the cards are, are mostly held by Leeds. But you're sort of right. By the time you get to the interview process, clubs probably have in their heads a fair idea of who it is that they want, You know who, who they expect to be the outstanding candidate. But quite often it doesn't work out exactly as they expect. What do you think of the sort of general overall silence? that's coming out of the club so far, are they right to keep the powder dry until they've got something to talk about? Because there, there's always, in, the, in in these circumstances, every summer when, when it's a bit quiet for a week or two, and particularly when you're up against the clock like this, admittedly adds fuel to that particular fire. Everyone's saying they need to say something, they need to say something, they need to do something. And but there's I, think, I think do something just, is yeah. more important than yeah. say something. And, and yeah. I guess, well, I guess the saying something comes with the doing something, doesn't it? It's it it does, and yeah. it tends to be best that way. It's not helped by 
the fact that 49ers Enterprises don't actually own the club at the moment, they they will do before long. I don't think it's that unlikely that we might get approval from the EFL or we might get a, a formal completion of this at some point in the next week. Um, it's certainly certainly been getting there and, and there don't seem to be any obstacles. Once it is complete and once Radwazani is gone and they are officially 100% owner of the club, then the freedom to speak on this and that becomes easier, um, becomes greater and, and you can certainly say more. If they were speaking at the moment, it'd be highly unlikely that they would outline you know, exactly what they're doing with head coaches, exactly how it's going. So all you would get is, look, we're working towards completing this and we hope to make an appointment very soon. So yes, you get some words, but it, I don't think it would make you feel any better. Just on the other name that came into the mix this week, seems to have drifted out again in the odds, but Raul, where did that come from? Pass. Was it not somebody playing mischief? I've no idea. I think, I think it, it might have been somebody playing mischief who, who started the rumour, a little bit like we did with the Danny Welbeck thing. Ah, uh, okay. Started a rumour, maybe chucked 20 quid on it, and then the market starts moving, odds start dropping, and it snowballs from there, doesn't it? So, yeah. I mean, I still view him as a handball cheat. Yeah, because I've, I've, I've got a long memory. But um, well, I was going to say, if if Gordon Watson was in the frame um, <laughs> for anything at Leeds United, I would still not allow him through the door for that dive in 1991, too. I forgot exactly when it was. Raul was linked at some point. Um, I think a bit more strongly. Uh, it might have been when Marsh left. I forget now exactly. Um, I think it but was. He yeah. hasn't. He hasn't been mentioned in in dispatches really. No, and you would. It's kind of the you see the Spanish link and Otter and that there, don't you? And this it doesn't feel like a a natural fit or something that would happen under these circumstances. All right then, so crystal ball time. Oh no. Not crystal ball time. But it's time, time to look ahead. When the 49ers do break their silence, assuming all this goes through smoothly, what do they need to say, do you think, as, a, as an opening gambit when it comes to dealing with a deeply, deeply scarred fan base? Yes, yes. Um, you can probably separate out the head coach aspect of it from everything else. The head coach, they'll need to and I would imagine want to explain you know why they've gone for that choice what it's going to mean what it is about them in particular that, that meant they were right for the job you tell me if I'm wrong but I think people when it comes to the bigger picture at least I think people want will want to hear from from Marathi in particular really because he's been the face of the 49ers um, 49ers enterprises right from the start and, and will become should we just set on calling them 49ers um, because yeah, just yeah, to save on some syllables 49ers yeah, yeah 49ers yeah let's, let's do it I think people will want to hear some reflection from him on what's gone wrong over the past two years, why it's gone wrong, to an extent what part the 49ers played in that, you know, given that they were a large minority shareholder in the boardroom. What's been learned from it and from here forward, what is going to be different? You know, what, what are going to be the contrasts with the ownership model that, that as was under Radrazani? And I guess they don't have to worry about upsetting Radrazani going forward when they're 100% owners. Because no, you, not you wonder, because my natural conclusion is, from what you said there, how will they blame Radrazani without blaming him? But I guess it doesn't really matter anymore, does it, when he's gone? No, it doesn't. I mean, they don't. the 49ers don't strike me as the sort who will throw grenades all over the place. It, it's never been like that. And actually, in, in most of the media that um, Marathi has done about Leeds up to this point, he's always been very guarded in, in giving huge amounts of detail or, or talking out a ton. And it's all very, he, it's all very vanilla, isn't it? Well, he, as best I can tell, he doesn't have a Twitter account. He's got a very small Instagram account, which is private. He, he, different, different personality to Radrazani. And I think, you know, because of that, the, the projections from the club will, will be different too. But yeah, I mean, if, if, if questions are asked, as they will be, about what's gone on over the last two years, clearly somebody has to take responsibility for it. You know, the blame lies somewhere. I think they can probably credibly say, look, we didn't have majority control, so therefore the ultimate... You know, the ultimate power was was not ours, but it certainly is now. And I think it, 
I think it probably would reassure people to know or to, to hear him say that they, they do actually understand what the errors have been and they understand how they can do things differently and they understand that if they get promoted, they can stop what's just happened happening again. I think that's probably quite important from a fan's point of view, isn't it? It's the the taking of responsibility for failure, even yeah. if it's not entirely theirs. As long as somebody says, we hold our hands up and, and no, we acknowledge that we got this badly wrong. I mean, the club tried doing that at the end of the previous season, didn't they? When the, the statement went on the website saying, you know, we're going to rebuild, this won't happen again. Well, that's the problem, Brad isn't it? spent the summer yeah. in the interview saying, this isn't going to happen again, and then it... It was worse. It did and worse. I was going to say, so they said that and then you did the interview with Ornstein with right. Radrazani yeah. in which he says it's impossible. Now, Moscow made a very good point about that which is that if in, in translation perhaps he was meaning unthinkable mm-hmm. rather than impossible but the word was impossible. You know, that was there in, in black and white. I think you can see some of the dysfunction at boardroom level in the the kind of stream of communication such as it was after they got relegated. That really short statement on the website that wasn't signed by anybody. It was pretty inadequate when it came to saying sorry for what had gone on. That initial statement from Radrazani, which seemed to be saying, I might well stick around, guys. You know, we've made a lot of mistakes, but we need to rectify them. And then very little, very little, very little until that holding statement between Asa Radrazani and um, the 49ers saying we have a deal in principle or we have a deal to, to go through. And that has pretty much been it. Did you spot that that initially just came from, it had the Leeds badge and the 49ers Enterprises logo on it? And then it was an updated version went on sometime later with the Acer logo added. Yes, uh, and you won't have um, it won't pre- pass your attention. Conversations were had. Maybe you, it won't have <laughs> passed your attention either that um, the Radrasani statement did not show up on any of Leeds official channels either. And as I said at the time, I don't think that was accidental. So a man very much on on the way out. Well, he is, and and trying to sort out his takeover of Sampdoria, which does look like by hook or by crook it is going to get there even though it's an incredible mess and, and by no means straightforward but you mentioned last time we spoke or, or last time but one about his reply to somebody on Twitter basically saying I'm sorry it didn't work and, and this that and the other that is a that is a man who's gone now you know it's a man who's gone from the club Do you think um, he mentally checked out a while ago? Well he wasn't here for the final game of the season uh, the week leading up to the defeat to Spurs he was in Italy trying to sort out the Sampdoria deal and I totally understand that if you're selling one club to buy another you've got to get your ducks in a row on, on all fronts but I didn't think that was a, a good look you know and what purpose would it have served I suppose for him to have been in the director's box aside from you know a, a target for people to, to aim frustration at but it's that old thing about going down with the ship really isn't it um, so that's that's probably a fair comment I think that bad, was the, bad that, choice of words that Phil considering uh, it, it is yeah sorry yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that was the contrast but, wasn't but it the, um, yeah. he was on the pitch at Brentford wasn't he with the, when we stayed up yeah, yeah. and then not in the country when we went down so I think there's a, there's a contrast there isn't there? yes and the other thing is like while it feels very inert at the minute as soon as this one is got over the line and they make an appointment and they make an announcement and then you know we've seen Tyler Roberts leave for example which we can have a chat about if you fancy the moves start to happen and suddenly it grinds into life again. The narrative all starts moving forward. Things are happening. You're then progressing towards the start of pre-season. So just because it's static now doesn't mean that it will be forever, even though it kind of feels that way. I think everybody has to accept, whether they like it or not, that, that this summer is going to be a little bit like that. I mean, we're almost into July. We've got the fixture list now. Season starts first weekend of August. There's no feasible way in which Leeds can have the squad together and sorted out for the very first weekend of the season. They can have it well in place and they can have plenty done. But this has got to be a transfer window, surely, 
like previous ones, but even more so this one that does run right up to the, the very end of it because the six weeks it is Phil, so the first game, six weeks. Yeah. So the idea that in six weeks everybody's gone, everybody's been signed, the squad is perfect and, and as you want it, is you know, totally, totally implausible. It very rarely happens anyway, that is highly unusual for clubs to to get to the first weekend of the season and find that, that everything is in place. But yeah, this window more than most, I think, is going to be pretty fraught and pretty frantic. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And with regards to Tyler Roberts then, there was maybe a school of thought that said he might stay for the championship, having been there before, but you're already kind of, for the benefit no. of anybody who's on the audio version, then you kind of were shaking your head there. No, before he, he was one, um, he, he was out on loan last season. Um, he was one who I think was was always going to go. His race was someone. run. Race was run. Yeah, yeah, race was run. I, I, I don't know. How, I don't know how in time I'll reflect on Tyler Roberts. I think the thing that I'll think about most is how wedded Bielsa was to him right the way through and, and clearly how much Bielsa thought of him as as a footballer but also somebody who could influence games that, that needed changed. I don't think it happened enough. I don't think Roberts had enough in the way of good performances to say that this move has been anything like a success for him. Had a lot of injuries too which, which didn't help but it's one of those that hasn't worked and I think after the end of last season it made a lot of sense to get him out of the way because he'd become a bit of a lightning rod for for things that were going wrong. And at this stage, if you're looking for a clean slate and a fresh start, I'm not really sure it does anybody good to to be going back to a player who the crowd are already sceptical about. I think ultimately when we look back on him, he was in the team for an awful lot of wins, wasn't he? So you'll you'll generally have a memory of him that maybe as an individual... Maybe you'll go, oh, Robert's playing that. Wasn't, wasn't like, <laughs> wasn't, it was never the best player on the pitch, but, you know, he was there for a lot of good stuff, wasn't he? Yeah. And Bielsa clearly loved him. And he had that goal at Hull, which was... Um, I always said this, but the best goals under Bielsa generally were not the we were not like twenty five yard top corner finishes. It was the construction of back to front, some of the counter attacking for a side who dominated possession and always liked to have the ball. Counter attacking was phenomenal, and um, that attack was just about as good as any. I think if you did a list of top ten Bielsa goals, that makes it easy, easy that one. Um, and I, I've seen people out there who say it's the best goal that was scored on his watch. Do you know what I think we need now? And it's such a kind of a, a childish, almost consumerist approach to this. No. But 
like some shiny new toys. That's what we need mm. as fans. We need something new to start getting behind. So when the when the manager comes in, we'll all hope for and start to think the best of them. We'll we'll search out videos on YouTube of their teams playing yeah. a particular style of football and go, ah, we can look forward to some of that. Maybe ignore some of the bad bits. Um, and but the same for players as well. So when that that first signing comes in, maybe a new striker or whatever, you go, oh well, they've scored goals at this level. You know, we we can look forward to this person banging a few in, and, and you just start to then mentally move forward don't you whereas like I said we kind of feel like we're just kind of entrenched and stuck at the minute just trying to clear the decks as it were I think a bit of youth coming into the team at the start of next season will get people on side as well if if we start the year and like Cresswell's in the team and maybe JB and Gray are maybe not starting but if, if they're getting minutes I feel like stuff like that if that's in a winning team and all that's going on in the background it does just it starts to bring back a bit of feel good doesn't it because it's been horribly absent for a very long time I don't think the 49ers would disagree with you about shiny new toys. I think they I think they can probably see that people need something else to invest in now and something else to, to get on board with, um, starting with a head coach and, and then players to come after that. It's just that we're in one of those periods at the moment, aren't we, where you're waiting for it all to happen and until it happens, you can't really start to get a proper handle of how it's going to look and what we're actually going to be dealing with when the season starts. There's time enough to go yet, but without a doubt, this summer is squeezed. Is there any part of you that has seen the fixtures drop this morning? And gone, oh, I'm really looking forward. I'm really looking forward to this coming season because that was the thing that actually took the wind out of my sails this morning. I went, oh god. I've seen a lot of people say that. Someone yeah. saying it's like the last three years never happened. Yeah. Like we've been asleep for three years and and here we are back. I messaged you this morning and said it, it's kind of like the most championship fixture list ever, isn't it? Particularly the the way it starts, I just, you know, it's like, first bunch of games, Cardiff, Birmingham, West Brom, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, Millwall, Hull City, Watford. It's, um, yeah, if you, championship regulars. Yeah, if you look down the list of championship clubs, and I don't know if this is something to do with the way that the financial controls have maybe levelled out a lot of the divisions, but the championship seems to be made up of clubs that are all basically just the same now. <laughs> Somewhere between... Capacity of about fifteen to 30,000. Crowds in the same sort of ballpark. Yeah. Some have been there for a long time. Some have been up, some have come down. But by and large, it's all clubs of that stripe. But football's becoming a little bit like that, isn't it? In that nobody plays in a Ellen Road anymore. Everybody's got new grounds, new stadiums um, that are absolutely fit for purpose. In the championship, I mean, you, you are just talking about a, a tier of clubs where a lot of sides are much of a muchness and actually there's something to be said for that. And I think that's what consistently makes the championship a really good competition or very tight competition is that I think the thing you said to me this morning was there's nothing in there that strikes the fear of God into you. And I suspect there'd be quite a few clubs who would say the same of Leeds at the moment, given that Leeds have so much to do. I guess the thing that made the penny drop was looking through that, you think to yourself, if you did actually invest quite heavily in this league and if you were ambitious and you kind of went for it then it's all there for you isn't yeah. it yeah definitely I think yeah, it is there to be taken isn't it the the fear based on the last few years of action is that it's Leeds United and we don't trust them sadly mm. and I know we've got the new broom and all that but we've still not heard from the new yeah, broom yeah but the new broom's got to prove itself you know I, th- I, I think people are so educated now about ownership and also at Leeds have so much experience of ownership that the last thing most people are going to do is just to blindly assume that this is going to be milk and honey and all great but I think there is there is plenty to suggest that it could be good or very good under the 49ers they do seem to have the sort of funding and, and the money that they need the The biggest question in my head is whether this summer the way it is is going to allow them to 
to have the best go at it. I still think they can, but um, it's going to be hard work. I mean, financially, this is the structure we we were dreaming of for years in the championship, wasn't it? Having owners with actual money who have already put money in to buy it, who need to get that money back and parachute payments. For years, that's what that's what we were desperate for. And oh, now the we, joy but, of parachute but, payments! But now we've got <laughs> I've it. Dreamed of them for so long, <laughs> but now we've got it. It somehow feels not as good as as it, as it did. when other people had them. It felt better. Well, it's the reality of, of going up and then getting relegated again, isn't it? That's what kind of undermines the abstract idea of, of having this clout in the championship. It's the fact that you've got to go up and then go down again to get it. And I think for me, part of the, I don't know, the disappointment is probably mired in the idea that actually I understand why Norwich have just gone up and down, up and down, and their fans have lowered their expectations and have become a yo-yo club because I haven't enjoyed a lot of the Premier League. And maybe that's just because we're losing games and you enjoy winning games and maybe it's as basic as that. You've got to think with the size of club we are and have the potential to be. We, the aim, surely, is to be Newcastle or West Ham, though, as a team that bounces up and down a bit but then gets there and gets investment and actually wins things and qualifies for Europe and does some of the fun stuff of the Premier League rather than just scraping by avoiding relegation every season, which, which is essentially the aim of teams like Watford, Norwich, West Brom, people like that who've been up and down loads of times. Yeah. That, that was pretty much always their aim. It's sort of human nature when you are losing games. I think you're totally right about this and I'm I'm the same as everybody else to get a bit petty and a bit toys out of the pram of this division's rubbish when actually it's you that's rubbish. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the, that's, that's why we're here. That's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, the issue. And I think there are, you know, there are clubs in the Premier League who are showing that you can make a go of the division and have fun in it without actually having to be one of the the main players and the big hitters and to be quite frank, I think the sooner people forget the idea of being a main player in the Premier League, probably the better because it's absolutely nothing to do with fan base anymore or history or any of that. It's all to do with how much money do you have and some of the clubs in there have so much money it's just um, absolutely untrue as may well be proven by City getting involved with Declan Rice and potentially beating Arsenal to him and, and there again you just go, well, you know, all roads lead to, to the Etihad. Point of amusement this morning was somebody sending me a screen grab of Swansea and Plymouth back to back in the space of five days in February and the WhatsApp said in its entirety think of the mileage. <laughs> <laughs> Is it still 45p? Something like that, yeah. You don't like seeing your kids anyway, do you? Uh, no, no. <laughs> no not, not at a weekend. Nice, no. to get, nice to get away for a few days. <laughs> it? it's, we were talking on our show, it was Valentine's Day as well. That Not that, I don't imagine either of you being particular. I mean, Michael, I know you're not going to do. But, uh, you know, indulging in that sort of romantic nonsense, are you? Do, you? do you pass on freebies that come here by way of, um, you know, astonished cleaning products and so on? My wife will be getting a, a scrubball beach towel for uh, <laughs> Valentine's this year. It's perfect in uh, for February in Pontefract. If you were being cruel, then the architect of our downfall, ah, boo hiss, Victor Otter, um, he's got this new gig. Can you give us some, uh, some of your perspective on this? We spoke about it on the weekly show uh, yesterday, so um, we've kind of done our bit on it, but... Uh, What's, a, what's, your, what's your take on it? Has he failed upwards? It's a good job. Yeah. It's a, a really good job. I'm not I'm not at all surprised that they were keen to take him back because he had a good reputation at Sevilla. He'd um, developed and grown up under Monkey there who has obviously gone to Aston Villa and, and left that vacancy. So he's a known quantity and I think Sevilla certainly think more highly of him than, than people in Leeds do at the moment. I don't mean the club. I, I think people within the club always had a good amount of time for, for Otter, but clearly his reputation around here has been has been badly damaged by the way the last two seasons have gone and, and particularly relegation. If he's failing upwards, the only thing I would say is that that's hardly unique in football, is it? Mm. Um, you see a lot of players who don't do well um, at clubs who 
land on pretty decent transfers. You see a lot of managers who don't do particularly well landing other jobs. Um, the, the Athletics Phil Hay talking here, by yeah, the way. Well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's all the case of it's all the case of who rings your phone and your phone and when. Um, so no stones getting thrown thrown by me. Um, but yeah, um, I. I I wouldn't be that surprised if it doesn't go quite well for him at Sevilla. Actually, it's a it's a it's a different level in that they're mixed in European competition, and also it it seems to me, and I might be wrong here, but it seems to me that the risk of relegation in La Liga for a club like Sevilla is not like it is for a club like Leeds in the Premier League. As we said time and time again last season, there were points where it felt like about twelve clubs could go down in the Premier League and, and could go down quite quite easily just isn't really like that elsewhere. Does he want Junior Furpa? Mm, well, he was asked about Rodrigo, wasn't he? And kind of backed that one off, saying um, it was it was just rumours. Uh, they actually, from what I read, they've signed a left-back already, I think. So You can never have too many, though. You can never have too many Junior Furpas. No, okay. um, so I'm going to I'm gonna suggest no to that one. Yeah. Oh, well. Poor Junior. But they need somebody to take Furpa. just want to qualify this by saying he seems like a nice bloke. Yeah. But maybe yeah. he's just not the right fit for us. Yeah, absolutely. I you know, I, I think there are a lot of players at Leeds who are decent blokes. Um, but you, but, but you, <laughs> this, is, this is damned by faint praise. You, he's a decent well, bloke. Well, no, I mean, like, I, I think the idea that there were there were people at Leeds who weren't bothered as they went down, or on mass, you know, the squad doesn't care, is is dead easy to level at people when it's all going wrong. It really hurts some of them in particular. I think people like Cooper, Ailing. You know, others who were involved in getting them promoted in in the first place, it, it will really, really sting. Um, but in the end, as a footballer, you get judged on how you play. This you? is reminding me a bit about the time Bielsa was asked in an early press conference about Idaguchi, and he said something like he had great respect for the Japanese people. And it was yes. like very much a uh, no, he won't be staying. Was the answer? <laughs> I've got to say, high praise for Robin Cox agent as well, who's putting in the mileage this summer. Um, lots of rumours out there. There is some German interest in Robin Koch. I remain to be convinced that he's going to Man United, I have to be honest, but I do think he will go. Yeah, um, and not for free. Maybe on loan, as we were saying the other week. There is There are circumstances in which he could go on loan because if that is the only offer he's willing to take or if that's the only offer Leeds think is worth accepting because somebody's going to pay all his wages. And well, the suggestion that was that relegation meant we were obligated to take a loan for him. I, I cannot work out if that's the case and I'm still not convinced that it is, but I might be wrong. But the... The chatter about he can go for free just doesn't seem right to me. I, I, from what I've been told, I just don't think he can leave on a free transfer this summer. Yes, he's out of contract in 12 months' time. So if he goes on loan, then he becomes a free agent further down the line. So if you take him on loan for a season and then sign him, technically you'd be signing him on a free. But that's not the same. That's like common sense. Well, you know, what, what I would say is if he goes on loan and then breaks his leg while he's on that loan, he's not getting signed for free then at the end of it, is he? Well, well no, possibly not. No, so, you know, that's that's the risk you would take. But I think the point I'm making is that it's um, common sense that if he goes on loan and then reaches the end of his contract, he's a free agent. But that's not the same as a clause saying he can go on a free transfer this summer. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I know yeah. Victor Ross has done some questionable things at the time, you know, decisions I wouldn't agree with in his time as... Um, Sporting director at Leeds, whatever it was, his tight job title. But uh, that doesn't I, strike me as that was the sort of thing we'd do. No, I, but at the same time, I don't think you should rule out Koch going on loan, yeah. depending on what what comes in for him. He's, Fine. he's on a big wage. He's going to have to. They're going to have to get rid of him this summer. He's going to have to move on. But it doesn't seem to me that it's quite as it's been portrayed, which is that he can go for free. Like a 
bit more complex than that. I, I'm struggling to think of many that I want to keep. I know we've spoken about this before, but uh, who do you want to keep? I'd like to keep Nonto. Um, make him earn his stripes. I actually ask you about this. Have you heard anything about him being a bit mischievous with his um, disciplinary stuff behind the scenes? Because it's a rumour that I've heard a few times. If not to any great extent, I don't think there were any huge problems with his, his discipline, especially. Um, and I don't think you can pin that to his form towards the end of the season, although he was he was badly out of form. But he's somebody they really like. And if you want to keep him, 49ers would, would really like to keep him as well. Likewise, Tyler Adams, I always say that. I just, I don't know. A little bit like Jack Harrison, it feels as if there might well be too much interest there for them to to resist. But I suppose, again, it depends on the conversations that the 49ers are able to have once the deal gets approved, once they're able to sit down with sit down with people properly and, and discuss this over. And I suppose if they can sell them sell them an image that they like, then who's to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the problem. The players you want to keep are the ones who are most likely to leave. I think the realistic ones, well, semi-realistic ones to keep would be people like Max Verber, I think, would be a very solid championship defender. And yeah, I agree. I like to think we'd be able to maybe keep Cody Drama. I don't know what the, the plan on that is, but he's obviously proved himself twice now in the championship. We don't have a good le- a good right back from what we've seen in the last year, so it feels like it'd be sensible to give him a go there as well. So it's quite a low bar, I admit. <laughs> Trying to keep someone who was on loan at Luton last year as my, as my main aim, but it feels like these are, these are players who are here and I think could do a job for us. Well, does that come from a place of thinking, we can't get rid of everybody? Because that's how I feel about it. Like mm. somebody's got to surely stay. You've got you've got to keep some players. Yeah, certain players have, have got to stay in the mix. Um, with Drammy, they'll have to convince him that he's going to play. Uh, that that will be the main thing for for him. Will be to know that he is going to be in the team and he is going to get a game. And I know you were saying that I'd clinging to a player who was at Luton last season, but he was very good. Drammy and Luton were were very good as well, as proven by the way the season finished. So yeah, um, I agree with you about Verber. I think he's exactly the sort of person that you could kind of start to to build a, a defence around. The midfield certainly worries me in the sense that we'd expect Rocker to go. Um, I think it'll be a real battle to keep. Yeah, I... Sorry, I sold. I hit the bell then when I shrugged. I, I took, well, it, was quite, it was quite nice timing that. Yeah, it in, quite yeah, theatrical. For, for whom the bell tolls. Uh, uh, yes, no, I, I get you shrugging your shoulders, but what I mean is Rocker goes... If they can't keep hold of Adam's decision to make about Forshaw, but clearly injuries are a big problem for him again this season. It's not a right lot there, is there? JB, you you would hope, would start to come through now. He's looked really good in the academy. But that's an area where, yet again, they're going to have to recruit pretty heavily. Um, so, no, I, I agree with you that they can't can't lose everybody, but some of them will be really difficult to hold on to. Who do we keep then? Dan James, maybe. We were, yeah, I can see that. that. Yeah, yeah, I think he'd be a real asset at this level, assuming yeah. he's prepared to stay. I know he's going to be on a big whack, but, you know. Oh, I think I, I think there's a good chance that'll happen, yeah. Such is life. Who else? I dare say Bamford will stay, unless, um, unless, I guess, a newly promoted team gets to the point where they're a week before the season and think, oh, they're probably lowering him to get the wages off. But I, I feel like, a, a bit like, I guess... Roberts has left. I feel like it probably wouldn't do Bamford any harm to have a move this summer. But I just uh, don't know who would take him. I feel the same, but I'm in two minds about that one. I can see a scenario in which he sticks around. can see a scenario in which he goes. Um, Ruta was one who was said to me right back after the season finished, you know, he'll most likely stick around or Leeds will try to keep him. I know he was linked with going back to, to Hoffenheim again and we'll see with him because, I mean, he was very, very expensive signing. And presumably, despite everything that's gone on, thinks of himself as having a future at, at a higher level than this. People like Sinistera, I think there'll be enough interest in Sinistera despite his injuries. 
for him to go. I mean, again, if you could keep him in the championship, he'd be absolutely fantastic. But it does feel like a, a level below where, where he should really be, be playing at. So there's a lot to do. And as I've said previously with the academy, this is this is surely where all that academy investment has to start paying off to some extent. Yeah, if it doesn't happen in the championship, then where is it going to happen? And if it does, maybe Victor Alter will come back and he can start carrying on in the West Stand again. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think that'd be received? Shouting at people about Matteo Joseph. Saying, I told you, I told you it'd be good. But that's the thing is, you know, planning for a future that never arrives is that it's all fine and well having these players for three or four years down the line. But if you torch the immediate here and now in the process and there's no place for them, is the you're just having to start again. And that's where we find ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I, I would definitely, definitely be involving Charlie Creswell in this um, after this his season at, at Millwall. And it still strikes me as kind of odd how willing and, and open leads were to bids for him back in January, given that he's so young and he does seem to have plenty plenty about him. Joseph scored a lot of goals for the um, the 21s. Perkins has looked good at that level too. There is a big leap, definite leap, but it's a smaller leap to championship level than it is to the Premier League. And given their age and everything else, there's absolutely no point in them being here if they're not going to if they're not going to be able to contribute at this level because Leeds don't see themselves as, as falling any lower yeah. than this level. And I know, you know, <laughs> well, famous famous last words. Yeah. Yes, as you say, it's slightly different to 2004. One month, do you reckon but, we'll be safe by? <laughs> um, I'm going to stick my neck out and say December. But you know, they're not all these guys at all, Perkins and JB and so on. But you know, two, three, four years time, they'll be kind of early 20s pushing on towards mid 20s and, and that's when they sh- you know that's when they should be starting to, to edge towards their peak so if these have been good signings and if this recruitment has been worthwhile then we're, we're going to find out aren't we and where are my grizzled championship bastards that mm. I requested the other week I want yeah. some of those yeah. can we have some of those um, maybe not grizzled just, just yeah, good, good championship not bastards not a point in asking me really is there no yeah. you probably can Probably can. You may just have to wait. Hand on heart, honestly, how much do you know about the championships since we've gone up? Have you completely like shut it off? <laughs> I actually did unfollow the EFL on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, which was rash. Yeah, I'm still following the Premier League, but I need to. I know I need to yeah, undo that. I think I will probably unfollow them at some point as well. I don't need to see Jack Grealish's top corner finishes on a Monday morning, particularly. I, I have. I must confess, I haven't kept across the championship massively over the past three seasons. I mean, like Scott um, scoffed but, it being on late but, at night on ITV and gone, uh, no, I mean, <laughs> we're I, on match of the day now. I, I took more interest in it last season, actually, because you had Creswell at Millwall and you had Gelhart who was out in Drammy as well. And a lot of these clubs were in contention at the top end of the division. So there was there was interest there. And actually, you know, getting down to the point where the playoff final was um, Coventry and Luton was a, a good story in itself. Yeah, that made but, me feel sad though as well. Why so? Because I'm an arrogant Leeds fan. Oh, okay. And I thought we're okay. going to be replaced by one of those two. Yeah, yeah. But in some ways, it hasn't changed much, the championship, as it is massively even. But as Burnley showed, if you do get it together and you do have a proper plan and you stick a bit of money into it, you can get out of it in quite quite good fashion. So once again, we land back on the point of just get it done, Leeds. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's going to be a long summer, this, isn't it? It was always going to be a really long summer, even though it's a really short summer. Yeah, I was going to say, even though it is six weeks until the, the first game, that's going to come round quickly. Yeah. It'll be here before we know it. I mean, if you think back to the summer of 21, when they did Furpool and they did Dan James, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think, with the possible exception of um, Chris Classen, I don't think they did anything else, did they? I think it was those two deals. I've just blocked uh, it all out. Now. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. And going into that summer, there was 
never going to be a change of ownership. There was never going to be a change of head coach as long as they got contract together with Bielsa, but that always seemed to happen. There was going to be a minimal amount of um, recruitment. There wasn't going to be much going out either. And okay, it did not work. And um, with hindsight, they would have that summer over again. But that's sort of summer where it, it ticks by because people aren't really looking for that much to, to happen. Whereas this summer, you're kind of expecting expecting it all day, every day, aren't you? Yes. Uh, well, six weeks to go. And we'll be on telly for the first one as well. That's been confirmed. Yes. First fixture move for, for Sky. Uh, Cardiff is 230 on the sort of, I hated the Premier League two o'clock Sunday kickoffs. I always felt like it just well in that case it's like, two thirty. It's like just that lovely home, sweet spot. Well, no, it's, <laughs> oh, it's yeah, perfect. It, it does give you that extra half hour in bed, doesn't it? But no, I mean from the perspective of it, actually just flattens the atmosphere. Like your Saturday games mm. always have a little bit more about them because people are more prone to going out, a few drinks beforehand. Sunday, you've got one eye on Monday, haven't you? And it's not quite as raucous. It never was. Yeah, I, I, I don't like Saturday twelve o'clock. It, it feels or you know really early kickoffs because it feels like you're done before you've you know. You've probably got yourself going. Um, I always like the five thirty games, particularly Ellen Road. That's probably booze related as well. It will be, yeah, uh, the good ones. But that said, uh, it might be all right. You know, August sunshine and all that Sunday afternoon, and we start off gloriously like we did against Stoke last time we were. Uh, yeah, we were here, uh, and uh, everything goes well, and we get promoted, and barely, yeah. barely lose a game. I am genuinely quite optimistic and looking forward to this new season, but in the abstract. I'm looking forward to it because it's six weeks away. I still need to see what happens over the next, uh, course of the next six a, weeks. That's a great way of putting it. I, I feel exactly the same. I'm sort of quietly optimistic. I'm not totally sure why because <laughs> I need to see a lot of stuff happen before you can actually put down on paper your, your reasons for that. But I kind of feel like it's got the potential to go well this. And there we go. <laughs> Let's clip that bit. Phil yes. Hayes saying those words and throw it back in your face in 12 months' time when we in start League our League One, one campaign. <laughs> Right on which so on which note, let's uh, let's end it there. We will catch up on Monday then, eh? and hopefully we do have something to report by then. Yes, fingers crossed. We'll see you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.